podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. And after a disappointing start to the season, the Reds bounced back in emphatic style from defeat at Old Trafford with a 9-0 annihilation of Bournemouth and Anfield on Saturday afternoon. With Klopp's side seemingly having rediscovered some of their famed intensity, on this episode we'll be looking ahead to whether they can pick up another win at home as Newcastle arrive at Anfield on Wednesday evening. And joining me on the pod to discuss the evolution that's well underway up at St. James's Park, I'm delighted to welcome on football writer and author Dave Black. Welcome, Dave. Hello, Harry. How are you doing? Not bad. Yeah, not bad. We're recording this um, the evening after Liverpool scored nine goals. Um, <laughs> just a nine. I mean, obviously no moral victory there in failing to score ten once you've got past eight. Um, but <sighs> I think, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I think given some of the difficult start to the season and, and sort of uh, the immediate pressure of framing everything by what City are doing, uh, yeah, I think nine goals felt like a, a decent tonic, um, I think. Well, perhaps not for Scott Parker or any any Bournemouth fans, but yeah, certainly for, for some Liverpool fans who have been a bit troubled. So yeah, I'd say that's, that's making things go down a little bit um, easier this evening, Dave. But rather than talk about Liverpool, um, what I really want to get into um and sort of why i'm glad that you join me is to sort of understand the journey and sometimes i use that word with different clubs and you think well how 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 complex is this journey we're really talking about but with newcastle it feels like yeah there has been a lot of a lot of change um over the past year or so um if not longer Uh, and i just want to ask you just to cast your mind back to the end of last season um, obviously, the second half of the season from January onwards was a much more positive um, outlook for how Newcastle performed. Just wanted to ask you: by the time you got to the end of the season, um, how are you feeling about you know, how the season had unfolded and, and sort of the progress that the side was uh, was making? Uh, it, was, it was, you know, night and day from where we were sort of pre-January. Uh, as Eddie Howe, but more and more of a stamp on the team. We just Came, you saw week by week, obviously, it helped getting new players and in January, but um, by the end of the season, you almost didn't want the season to end because we, you know, last home game, we, we absolutely battered Arsenal. They finished 2 0, but it could have been 6 and they couldn't have any complaints. And you just thought this is the sort of the culmination of probably six to seven months of real, real hard work coming to fruition. Um, and for the first time in a long time, you know, we, we came into the new season absolutely, you know, buzzing for. For the, the, the season ahead, which hasn't been the case for a long time, uh, for obvious, obvious reasons, which we probably come on to, but um, it's, uh, it's it's obviously quite strange for us, um, having to say come back from season upon season of you know Bruce or Pardew or whoever we've had as manager over the last thirteen or fourteen years. So it's it's a really nice change. Yeah, no, certainly. I think um, 
come on to talk about Eddie Howe, but I, but I also think um, you know, six wins out of the last ten games, I think it was in the Premier League, and as you mentioned, um, obviously that as a neutral, very and as someone who has, uh, I think I've, I'm mentioning it a lot on this pod now, um, grew up in North London and had a lot of Arsenal supporting family members, um, and yeah, really they really did um, uh, sort of inflate themselves last season a little bit. Um, that that two 0 was yeah, I think that's the quietest. I've heard the WhatsApp. Well, I've seen the WhatsApp chat for well, well, the majority of last season, certainly. So it's 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 quite loud now, as you'd as you'd imagine. But in, <laughs> in terms of the players um, who really made that influence in the second half of the season, allowed Eddie Howe to employ more of the tactics that were you know, molding the team into the sort of the way in which he wanted it to look. Obviously, there's the headliners, you know, Bruno Gomarish coming in and having a I think a real real big impact. Um, but who are some of the other names that you think deserve sort of mentioning, even if there's a couple of perhaps that have um, gone below the radar? Uh, well, yes, I mean, yes, as you said, that Bruno is he's, he's too good for us. Um, as it stands, as a mid-table club, it's, you know, we've, we've got to match his ambitions over the coming seasons to make sure he sticks around because he's he's uh, he's far too good for you know a mid-table Premier League club. But um, and what kind of player is he as well, actually, Dave? Just in terms of, I think people have a perception of the kind of player that he is, but just. If, if if you don't mind just talking a little bit about sort of what what you get with Bruno Gomes. Yeah, well, I mean, he's uh, in modern speaking, he's a six or an eight. Um, he can create, but he can also put himself about, put his foot in. Um, at the minute, he's playing in front of the back four, kind of. Um, it's usually the role John Joe Shelby plays, but he's uh, got a pretty severe hamstring injury, so Bruno was having to play sort of the more sort of the deeper line role, if you like. Um, but. That's what we like about him. He can do absolutely everything, and you don't always get that from players who come from Italy, come from abroad. Um, you, you might get, you know, your number ten types who they'll only attack. They don't necessarily do the ugly side of the game. He just does everything really well. Um, when I spoke to Henry in the in the preseason, I compared him to Thiago in terms of you look at him and he's, he just looks like a great footballer. Um, he's got he is a, a cut above everything else we've got. So. Um, he and Trippier, um, who also arrived in January, uh, are sort of obvious sort of winners, if you like, where you know they've they've always played for, and always put, often played for good or, or title contending teams, and uh, it just rubs off on the rest of the squad to have people like that around them. Um, those two were the, the big two who came in January, um, but everything Eddie Howe touched in, in January turned to gold. Like even Dan Byrne, who uh, was always kind of like a he was an okay centre half or even a left back for Brighton, but he came in and played centre-half for us and we, we just became this organised defensive unit, which I haven't seen for a number of years. Um, probably noticed like a lot of our wins were quite tight, maybe 1-0 or 2-1s, and uh, the improvement in the defence was largely down to him. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that certainly comes across when you're looking at the, the score lines of these games. I mean, I mean, with a couple of exceptions there, based on you know, some of the top six teams and, and ones who are really purring uh, towards the end of the season. I mean, some of those... Mm. Uh, results are much, much more uh, narrow than they were certainly sort of in, in, in seasons before and certainly at the start of the of the season was certainly Liverpool's experience. I remember when we went up to uh, uh, to St. James's Park, it was a much, much tougher sort of um, uh, fixture to navigate than perhaps it has been in previous seasons. And I'm just interested, you mentioned there some of the organisation that, that came in and how it's been a while since you've seen that and uh, some of the different players you highlighted. And uh, But when, when everything clicks, and maybe you're seeing it a little bit more um, this season, or will see it some more this season, but when everything clicks and goes the way in which he, you think he would like it to go, what does an Eddie Howe 
sort of Newcastle team actually looked like. And I guess, I mean, people have an idea in their head of, of the football that he played at Bournemouth um, you know, when they first came up to the Premier League. And it was quite expansive, quite end-to-end. You know, they'd, um, you know, best response to you know, sort of going behind would just be attacking, of course, and just... Um, I get the feeling he has evolved as a manager, obviously. He's dealing with different players, different set of circumstances, different resources um, that uh, are available to him. But yeah, when everything clicks, what did that uh, sort of look like in terms of how he'd, um, how he'd line the team up? So I think we're only really starting to say that now after he's had the you know the full pre-season. Um, as a sort of side note, our real uplifting form came after we had a sort of a two-week winter break where we, probably for the first time, he took over. I think we must have been out yeah. of the club or something and he took us away to some warm weather training, and the two weeks after, um, while we were away, we came back, and that was that was when our form turned around. Obviously, yeah. the new players came in as well, but I don't think it's a coincidence that when he had a couple of weeks, and or in this case, pre-season, to work with the players to start to to play the system a bit a bit better, um, mm. actual tactical work, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly, which I mean, we haven't had for, for certainly the Bruce era. Um, but um, to answer your question, really, what he wants to do is, is play. Uh, aggressive pressing, um, push up the field, which you know isn't always brilliant. When you, if you push up, you, as you know, as, as you, you play the, probably the highest line in the league, you've got to press and you've got to press well, or else there's a lot of space in behind, um, which is where we've been caught out against some of the better teams. But um, I think what we saw against Man City last weekend was as well as we've played um, for, for a number of years, not just in the Howie, but for, for a number of years, full stop. And it was a shame we didn't get the win in the end, but that was. Almost the blueprint of what he wants to be like. He, he said himself he doesn't want to sit with eleven behind the ball against anybody and try and sort the pressure and you know just claim on for near death, you know all that kind of stuff. Which I, you don't blame a lot of managers for trying against the likes of Man City and yourselves because I mean, Bournemouth today, obviously, you know they got they got hammered, which can happen to teams who uh, you know maybe don't set themselves up correctly. But he himself said he wants to get on the front foot against everybody. Um, all right, it'll take you know there'll be some risks to take in those sorts of games, but um, we gave City as good as as good as they gave us, I think, last weekend. Um, we obviously got carved open a few times, but we also made a number of chances ourselves on the counter attack. So um, that's what he wants, um, which for us as a fan is, is you know it's great to hear. Um, we had the poor opposite of that really under Rafa Benitez, which I think was largely down to budget constraints. Um, I mean, he's never been the most expansive manager, but um, he gave us a structured team, and we support him to the hills. You know, it doesn't have to be attacking football; it has to be football that that works and has uh, and has everyone bought into it. Um, so it's not necessarily you know we demand front foot football, but if you've got a manager like Eddie who wants to do it and is prepared to implement it, um, then all the better. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's always come across when I've spoken to. Yeah, jealous have been covering Newcastle for a long time in terms of what the you know what what supporters it's not what supporters are demanding it's just what they're hoping for in terms of sort of the the commitment level from the players and uh, grinding out results in whatever so, sort of way was possible at the time and I think yeah, certainly the affection for Benitez came across very very strongly even though he was obviously dealing in pretty difficult circumstances as you mentioned but anyhow different set of circumstances different resources available to him and when you've got players you know like the likes of Alan say Maximan, some of the new attacking ta- um, new attacking talents who've come on to uh, come to the club recently as well that we'll, we'll come on to talk about. Um, even sort of Joe Linton re- you know, reinventing himself as this sort of dynamic uh, sort mm, of um, uh, defensive yeah. midfielder, which I, I just would never have seen that. Um, which is um, 
uh, yeah, been really fascinating to see sort of how he's managed to sort of stamp himself into the side from a different position. Um, I think yeah, it's, it's, it would almost be a waste if you weren't trying to give as give as good as you get. And you, you mentioned that City game, and it was uh, yeah very refreshing actually in terms of I think you know City and Liverpool as you mentioned very high lines, and I think it was Carragher after the United game was saying something along the lines of. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't see City, you know, dealing with these one v ones as much as Liverpool, and I think that's, I mean, that's probably the, the obvious difference between the sides is the quality of the midfields that they have there, right? And City's midfield, uh, unsurprisingly, very good at keeping the ball, and you can't hmm. can't counter attack on a side when when you don't have the ball. But uh, I thought Newcastle, really good example there of, you know, if you do, you know, set yourself up in a disciplined way. And attack with purpose, and really go you know down the throats almost of City at times. Uh, lo and behold, once you do get past their press, um, yeah, not many people like to deal with Alexei Maximan running at them. You know, there's not many <laughs> not many centre backs in the league fancy that, even if they are great at one v one sort of situations. So, yeah, I thought it was really. I mean, I was hoping it would be a blueprint for the rest of the league, and yeah, I think Palace had a go today before before yeah. um, uh, the Norwegian uh, World Cup, but. Uh, hmm. um, what I wanted to ask as well, but you got to end of the season. Obviously, I think there's a positive, uh, you know, feel good factor around the club and the, the direction in which they were going in. Uh, and I've been interested in the way in which I think, given the obvious huge, huge resources that are now behind the club, um, you know, we've seen in the past teams that suddenly have that sort of backing go out and you know, marquee signings, perhaps not really compatible with the style of play, but just you know, big names, things like that. And Newcastle. I've quite enjoyed that they seem to have gone out of their way not to do that really, uh, and and to try and do build things in a bit more of a considered uh, fashion. I mean, you mentioned Gamero; you think he's too he's too good for you at the moment. And there's a couple of other players who've come from um, sort of you know, Champions League background or European background as well. But you're, that's what you're building towards, obviously. So, but I don't think you can you can be accused of going out and purchasing a, a Rabinio, for example, as um, hmm. City did in the early days. But when you got to the end of the season. Where were the positions in the squad that you thought, okay, these are the really obvious ones that we need to we need to prioritise this summer? Um, well, the big one for me probably still hasn't been filled, which is which is sort of a, a right-sided attacker or a winger, if you like. Um, we've been playing Almer on there, who's yeah. kind of hit and miss. Um, you know, graft hard, good good worker, but not great with end products. I mean, he obviously scored on Sunday with his thigh, which all right, we'll give him, but you know. <laughs> They all count, but you know he also missed one from yeah, ten did. yards. You know, so that's kind of what you get with them. And then you've got like Ryan Fraser and Jacob Murphy, who again they work ish. You know, they're not they're not Premier League quality really. Ryan Fraser has been, but he hasn't really been fit consistently for a long time. And Jacob Murphy, probably a top end championship kind of player for me. Um, so I'd still like to see someone come in there. And obviously we've signed uh, Isaac or Isaac or how you going to say it this week. Um, very interested to see if he's going to be able to play with Wilson or whether they're going to sort of rotate or whether one of them can play a little bit wider. Not really sure yet, but I guess we'll find out. Um, because we'd spent some money in January, you know, we, I say we, we'd got Dan Byrne, um, I think there was still a feeling that we needed a, 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 a better centre-half, if you like. I mean, Byrne, again, is good, but he probably has a ceiling of where he is now. I can't imagine he's going to get an awful lot better at his age. And, and his partner's been Fabian Cher, who's, again, good, but has his, has his flaws and also a little bit injury-prone. Um, so I was delighted when we got Sven Botman in, uh, obviously very highly rated from from France. Um, and 
will play for Holland for many years to come, probably alongside Van Dijk at some point. Um, so very happy to get him in. We made, we made target per which was a no-brainer at that price for a left-back um, who just knows the system and, and, and plays already. Um, I don't think many people would have said goalkeeper, but uh, we've gone and got Nick Pope. And again, I like Dubravka, but seeing someone like Pope who's um, just another level up, which... Again, maybe you know that's why that's why I'm sitting here in Eddie Howe's in the manager's seat because you know I'd have stuck with Dubravka, but he, he saw a bargain in uh, in Pope really, and uh, he's made a he's made a big difference already in the three or four games we've had so far. Uh, I would like uh, a proper out and out sort of anchor man. Uh, as I said earlier, John Joe Shelby's been playing there, which is great when you're in possession. Maybe not so good when you haven't got the ball. Um, if we went in the away game on Wednesday like against yourselves, I would love to have someone in there who could who could look after Bruno and look after Joe Linden as well and just have someone actually, you know, actually covering the back four and not just able to spray a few passes about. Um there hasn't even been that many rumours of, of someone like that coming in to be honest. So I'm not sure how it sees it that way, but that that would be my pick if I had to pick someone there uh, to go into and buy. Hmm. So does Gamerich not really do much of that screening work? Does it? Well, he, he has. He, I say he does everything quite well. Um, mm. But I just feel it. I feel he's better in a, in again using modern terms that sort of the eighth position. Like if we had him further forward, being able to right. supply okay. Wilson and St. Max and whoever else, that would be more beneficial. Mm. Now as it is, you know, you'll do the six rule. That's absolutely fine. But I just feel like uh, it's a little bit of a waste to have him yeah. sort of stuck in back there. Um, Joe Linton again isn't a, an out and out defensive mid. He's He's uh, oh, he's just a destroyer. Destroyer, but he's also right. <laughs> quite a quite a good ball carrier as well. Yes, yeah. um, he obviously got all the physical attributes to play in there, a bit box to box almost. But uh, you wouldn't sit him in front of the back four and say, you know, be, be Claude Makélélé. It's not uh, it's not going to happen. So um, that would be the one position that we don't really have. Um, and you know, maybe football's moved on a bit from the Makélélé kind of days. You know, you don't get many midfielders now who just sit and don't do an awful lot else. But um, we don't really have a a hatchet man in there, um, which as an option I'd quite like. Yeah, no, I think I know what you mean. I think it's uh, yeah, composition of midfields has been yeah, it's been a regular regular chat. Um, like plenty of guests I've had, certainly plenty of Liverpool supporters in recent weeks as well. Uh, and just looking at the age profile of those signings as well, right? I think you know, Isaac twenty two, Botman twenty two. Um, yeah, even Target, he's like 26, perhaps in his, in, in his peak years. But I think it's there's there's a clear pattern there of trying to identify targets that you can you can build with over time, right? As a as opposed to maybe, maybe in certain areas you're you're you're, you're purchasing players who are, who are closer to their peak or some of the experience has like you've done with Trippier, which I think has been a real real great signing. Mm-hmm. I th- actually think he's I've always felt he was um he was an underrated player to me. I I feel like. A, hasn't got really enough credit for doing what he did in Spain, uh, going going over to Atleti yeah. uh, and winning a title with them, which is no easy feat. And yeah, satisfying the defensive requirements of Diego Simeone is definitely uh, not yeah. a, a piece of cake, right? So yeah, he's um he, he's turned into a real leader for you, hasn't he? He has. No, he's uh, actually joked the other day that he, he might be the best player <laughs> or one of the best players to play for us in my lifetime. Like, that's how highly I rate him. Um, you don't have to say about a right back. It's a bit of a position where, obviously, you know, the likes of Trent and Rhys James aside, they don't traditionally get an awful lot of credit. Um, but everything he does is just—he's just a very classy player. Um, 
and obviously the set pieces are, are worth a number of goals. I think this week alone he's probably supplied three three goals for us. Um, so I couldn't be happy to have him, and he's obviously the captain at the minute. Um, not officially, but with Lascelles kind of being out of favour. Um, like I said earlier, Trippier is he strikes me as a winner. Um, obviously, as you say, went to Spain, uh, has the experience of winning the league over there. Um, I think it just rubs off the rest of the squad. I think they just would listen to someone like that as opposed to, I mean, with all respect to Lascelles, hasn't achieved an awful lot in the game, um, but he's a good voice around the dressing room. Mm. Yeah, I was sort of struck by that interview with uh, with um, with Saint Maximan after the City game. Just the just the rapport between the players was just very interesting to mm. me in terms of there was like a you know, Maximan going out of his way to sort of thank Trippier for all the encouragement and for the you know, some of the tips, the guidance, and then Trippier <laughs> going out of his way to sort of no 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 you <laughs> and um, uh, sort of volleying back with the praise and yeah, yeah, yeah if, if if you if you can get everything. If you can put everything together, mate, yeah, you'll be you'll be at the very top. Yeah. I, I thought it just spoke um, volumes to sort of the 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 group that you have at the moment. It seems to be in a really good place. Yeah, I mean, Trippier, um, you may remember he got injured quite early on when he joined us. It was, he started really well for us. I think he broke a Matt Tarsal or a foot or something. Anyway, he was out for most of the remainder of the season from about February onwards. But he was still travelling to away games and stuff with the squad, and that allowed him to bed in and allowed him to sort of pass on. His wisdom, whatever you want to call it, to 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 his uh, the rest of the players, and I thought that was for a player who's you know done it all really in the game to to still have that enthusiasm to to travel to I don't know wherever it was on the on away days and uh, you know be part of a, a squad which he's only actually been a part of for a matter of weeks. Uh, I thought, as you said, spoke volumes about the character of who who would signed. Mm. Well, just um, Isaac as well. I mean, it's it's obviously a big it's a big signing, six year deal. He's a highly rated uh, young striker. Um, I, I'm just interested in sort of based on what you know of him as well. Um, is he sort of the profile of striker you were expecting the club to to target in terms of sort of the the kind of striker you think would is you know, would fit an Eddie Howe system? Will get will sort of complement the players you already have. I think he would. Yeah, I, I, everything we've done has been, you know, pretty meticulous uh, in terms of what I was done and whoever's been involved with the recruitment. I mean, obviously Dan Ashworth's come in now. Um, he wasn't here in January, so he can't get the credit for the January signings. But um, we don't seem to be just signing, as you mentioned earlier, like a Rubinho type. Who, you know, he's available. Let's just go and get him because he's a big name and whatever else. We seem to be picking and choosing who we get. Um, I was quite noticeable on uh, one of the welcome videos with with, uh, with Isaac when he was walking around the training ground. Emil Croft, who you'll know from international duty, um, how went up to speak to them both, and he said, "Oh, you know, you should hear what Emil's been saying about you." So it just makes you wonder, you know, he must have done his homework before he signed him. Um, spoke with obviously people who played with him, um, and as you mentioned, he's, he's young. Um, like a lot of our signs have been, he's going to be around for a number of years, all being well. Um, he's Got a big reputation as a, as a, I hate to say the phrase, but as a wonder kid, if you like, um, who has all the tools to go on and become, you know, one, one of the best players in the league. Um, it's up to us really to to make sure he gets there. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I don't really know what the plan is. Where you know, are we going to switch to a sort of a two up front? Can he play wide? Can he can he yeah. play with Wilson? Um, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Wilson's got a you know a history of injuries, unfortunately. Um, and 
Chris Wood is okay, but he's a totally different type of striker and it does affect the way we play when, when we have to play with Chris Wood instead. So um, he's more of a, of a Wilson type, which is good for us. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he, how he beds in. Yeah, no, I think I think he's obviously primarily played as a lone striker, um, and I, I think I mean, I mean based on how they, how they set up, it was more of a four-two-three-one. So it's so yeah, not many miles away mm. from the four-three-three that Eddie Howe plays. And yeah, I think I think like most young sort of modern strikers, he's, he's, he's very much one that sort of presses presses from the front as well, which you imagine was sort of a, an attraction to Eddie Howe sort of bringing him in as well. And he's, a, he's an interesting looking striker as well because he's obviously he's, he's tall. Not, not not altogether doesn't necessarily look like he's um you know, particularly sort of you know physical or strong but i think again could be deceptive in the way in which you know, for example fabinho and our team doesn't look like he's particularly sort of big or strong <laughs> but has that sort of deceptive yeah. brazilian uh sort of strength around him and um yeah, it's also sort of from what i've seen anyway sort of very technically proficient as well i've seen, I've seen a bunch of very sort of very nice sort of dinked finishes which is always you know you always like to see that from strikers as well yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I hope because he's uh, because of his size, we don't end up just you know, going route one to him, um, no, which no. isn't really isn't really the Eddie Howe way. But sometimes I think players, when they're maybe under pressure uh, in a game, will just start you know, going going route one. Um, he doesn't strike me as being that type of striker. Um, so hopefully we don't fall in that trap. But um, he's he's got all the tools you'd want for someone to succeed in the Premier League. From what I've seen to him, um, like yourself, I, mean, mm-hmm. I haven't scouted him. Um, Intensely, but uh, from what I've seen, uh, like that one. No, I think he's, yeah, it's uh, sort of very exciting to see how he does. To you know, so I've been a fan for for a while, and uh, in terms of moving on to this season, then and and, and how, how what you've made of the start, and we've sort of spoken about the the city game. It's obviously a three three attracts the attention, but I mean, what have you made of of your start to season? What you know, that win over Nottingham Forest, you know, sort of the opening game, and then. A draw against a Brighton side that we know playing very well at the moment, um, and um, uh, a very difficult proposition to to deal with. And then, of course, that that sort of real um, competitive draw against a Man City side that you know, <laughs> is um, again th- you know, thanks every point. <laughs> every point helps with these guys. Yeah. Uh, I really do appreciate um, <laughs> anybody has a gut to be honest. Um, but I, I thought that really shows sort of, you know, that change of intent there, not just looking to stay in the game, you know, looking to really impose yourself on, on that game regardless of the opposition. I mean, what have you made of the start of the season? Have there been any real noticeable trends that you've seen or any changes from uh, from last season that have been particularly apparent? Um, I was, at the start of the season, I was a little bit... Uh... I wouldn't say negative, but I was I was happy just to push for a top half finish. I wasn't one of these who thought you know we need to demand European players, whatever, just yet. It's a slow build for me. Um, so we played Nottingham Forest, newly promoted, lots of new signs and stuff. That was a really good time to play them. So I wasn't that surprised to beat them. Our home form has been exceptional since, since January anyway. Uh, I think there's only yourselves and uh, I think Cambridge actually who've beaten us since uh, since January, but. Um, I wasn't that worried about Nottingham Forest. Brighton, to be fair, battered us. Um, and it hadn't been for Pope, we'd have lost that game. So going into Man City, I was thinking, well, you know, we've kind of beaten a newly promoted team and then kind of clung on a little bit for a point against a very decent Brighton team. Don't get us wrong. Um, so really, the Man City game, for all it's a little bit of a free hit. Um, to come out of that game, being disappointed with a draw, having been, you know, 3 1 up. Um, it's the first time I really thought, you know what, if, with a couple of additions, we could actually really push that top seven. Because 
the way the league started, there's uh, obviously it's only four games old in some cases, but it's been some very strange results. And uh, you know, some teams like let's say West Ham, who have been up in the top six, seven in the last few seasons, on and we look quite well equipped to to get a bit of momentum going. So, um, it's, it's the first time I've really thought, wow, we actually have moved up a couple of levels here. Um, but it's a very small sample size so far. Um, the most notable thing is that, as I said earlier, we've, we've really been able to implement more of the attacking side of, of Howe's philosophy. Um, last season, he tightened us up, um, bolted the doors a little bit, and you know, we say we'd, we'd, we'd beat, say, like Crystal Palace, we'd beat them at home 1 0. Um, and that was kind of the, that was our, our sort of blueprint towards the end last year. Alice and Wolves and a couple of other teams we, 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 we nudged past. Um, I imagine when we play those fixtures this season, we'll be a lot more on the front foot. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing if we can actually get the results in those games and sort of progressively get more attacking against mm. sides we should beat. Um, I was surprised we went as helpful as we did against against Man City um, for obvious reasons, but if that's how he wants to play it, then it's absolutely fine with me if we get results like that where um, you know we really really went for it. Um, against yourselves, um, I imagine he'll try and do the same thing again. I mean, as you said earlier, you saw when teams get good results against other teams, it, it gets noted. And the way Crystal Palace played against yourselves, I can see us doing something similar. Um, with you know, we've got players like St. Max and well, obviously it won't be Wilson, presumably Isaac will play, um, who have got the pace to, to get behind that, that high line. Um, and I, I think we'll have a go at you. Um, it doesn't, I don't think we'll win. Of course I don't, because you know, we haven't won in Anfield. I think we've won once in my lifetime at Anfield. So um, I'm not expecting us to go and get a result, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll play it a win. Um, and what will be, will be. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a... Um... A tricky game to be honest. I think, as you say, you've got the players there to to adopt that to adopt that tactic. You know, being defensively solid, looking to counter you know, cleverly. I think there are there are players there who who, who can cause us issues. And um, you know, given how we started the season, obviously today was a nice tonic, like I mentioned, in terms of um, yeah, sort of like the the attack functioning clearly, and uh, but just just all round looking a bit more assured. So we'll see. We'll see if that actually translates into the next game as uh, as well. But uh, in terms of your, you, you sort of touched upon it a little bit there. But just as as we come to sort of wrap up, I mean, I mean what are your expectations for the season now? I mean, and uh, it sounds like they've shifted a little bit from where they were <laughs> at the opening game. We're only three games in, but it, it, yeah. it, it sounds like things have shifted. And I, I think I think a three three against the against last season's champions. That yeah, it's, it's understandable to see how that would would have you thinking of different things. Yeah, well, so at the start of the season, I'd been happy to, to finish in the top half and have a run in the Cups, um, which we, which would do for me, absolutely. Um, but having seen us go toe-to-toe with, with Man City, I just feel like maybe this is a good time to actually go for it because it's going to be a strange season with uh, with the World Cup sort of stopping things halfway through. We we probably won't have that many players go, um, which may work in our favour. Again, I think how was planning to take us away for a few weeks for warm weather training during... November, December time, which um, has worked in the past. So I think a lot of the other teams will, will be decimated by people going away and you know how long it's going to take them to get back into first team action, etc., etc. Um, so as I'm not expecting you know a top four push, um, I think if you can keep some momentum going, um, we could find ourselves around you know seventh, eighth, 
come that winter break, uh, and that gives you a decent platform to build on. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed if we, you know, if we didn't finish the top seven. Like I say, um, so I'm looking at the longer term picture for where we're going as a club. Um, but with what three or four days to go in the transfer window, who knows what might happen? I mean, I didn't really expect us to get, um, and I, I never expect to spend sixty million on a player, but we just have. Um, haven't been told for weeks that there's only forty million in the coffers, and anyone would get, you know, you might get one player, you might get a loan, um, and then almost out of nowhere, we, we go and sign someone for sixty million. Um, we have won the football lottery. I, I'm, I'm under no illusions on that. Um, I know financial fair play obviously play a factor in who we, who we go and buy, but um, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand that. Uh, so what, what, whoever we do sign over the next few days, let's just say, let's just wait and see. But but I'm expecting maybe one or two additions if we get them in. Um, I think we'll be pushing the top eight, um, whether it's more more than that or not. I wouldn't like to say it, but that would be where I'm heading at the minute. Yeah, no, I think it's... Um, I'm expecting it to be sort of a busy into into the window. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be a busier into the window for, for Liverpool as well. I think there's been, there's been an interesting week in actually hearing a manager admit, um, even if it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, that he may have got it wrong in terms of <laughs> uh, the midfield um, has, uh, has had many Liverpool fans um, sort of thinking about all the possibilities and I think it's going to probably going to be a loan to be honest but yeah we'll see we'll see who comes through the door for for all the clubs but um yeah I think it makes perfect sense there around your around your expectations and um, I think yeah w- w- with the resources behind the club and actually I think that point around not having players or not having too many players who are going away to the World Cup uh, I think that time that tactical work that warm weather training I, th- I think it's going to be invaluable to be honest I think that's it's one of the things I'm clinging my hopes on in in, in and that Mo Salah and a couple of other players are not going anywhere. So that's yeah. I'm hoping that uh, when everyone else comes back knackered, uh, Mo is going to be um, <laughs> yeah, we reaping the benefits of that. Um, so it's definitely something I'm clinging to. But um, anyway, just want to thank you again for coming on to onto the show, uh, David. And it's it's yeah, been sort of great to to have your insight into yeah. I think it, we can we can call it we can call it a journey. It, it is a journey. Lots of things are changing, <laughs> as you mentioned. Yeah, you know, it's that sixty million pound yeah. strikers coming in. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a different world now for for Newcastle. Uh, thinking it's even going back to that two years ago, it's just a, a world away. Even sort of last season, as you mentioned, the first half feels a world away from that at this uh, at this stage as well. So you really appreciate you coming on and um, sort of sharing all your all your insight into sort of the the world of Newcastle. My pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me on. No, of course. And um, to all those listeners who who've been tuning into Rival Recon, um, we are we are uh, about to enter to, to that phase of the season, which allegedly Liverpool sort of like in terms of sort of the rhythm, just the grind of things where it's two games a week, and then also European fixtures come in as well, and then it sort of really gets into a, um, sort of heavy rhythm. Um, uh, I'd briefly forgotten about that over the past couple of days as well, so I'm going to have to sort of. Uh, do my mini preseason and get ready for get ready for that as well. <laughs> um, and there'll be another pod um, just on that topic. There'll be another pod coming up uh, ahead of the weekend's Merseyside derby. Uh, of course, Everton not looking great at the moment. Not looking uh, too um, expansive. And rumours about uh, the the starlet Gordon, of course, still under interest from from Chelsea. Deli Ali's obviously moved over to Besiktas. Is a remarkable. Uh, decline his career as well, so th- th- there'll be a podcast ahead of the Merseyside Derby um, to, to, to tune into next or next week as well. 
But in the meantime, do encourage you to check out all the other podcasts coming out at the next pro. I'm sure there'll be a plenty of uh, sort of jubilant ones after today's sort of 9-0 win over Bournemouth. It's pretty hard not to be enamoured with that. So, uh, uh, but, but between now and then, um, yeah, do tune into all, all those different podcasts. But we'll be back again next week uh, with another episode ahead of that Merseyside derby. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.